Great to see you. How are you doing today? Wasn't that awesome worship? Our worship teams are amazing. And uh, these guys were wonderful today. Thank you so much for leading us, you know, just beautifully into the presence of God. We're really, really grateful. Okay, um, we are on to the last week in a mini-series on money. If you are visiting today, and particularly if you're not somebody who normally goes to church, you may, you may have this idea in the back of your mind that the church is always going on about money. It's not true in this church, actually, um, but it is a really important area, and so we've kind of put aside these three weeks uh, in our sort of um, preaching calendar to talk about this issue of money. Walking with Jesus, we're, we're, the money is the first part, we move on to the sex part next week, that's exciting, isn't it? Um, and, um, yeah, we'll come to that later. Uh, we're talking about how it is that we walk with Jesus in the area of our finances, okay? Um, how we handle our money actually has massive consequences. It has massive potential benefits for us and for the kingdom of God. And it also, honestly, has massive potential pitfalls for us as well. It's a really big area. Jesus knew that. That's why he taught about it. The Bible talks about money a whole heck of a lot. And so we're not embarrassed to talk about it. We're not ashamed or in any way trying to sort of hide it or keep it under the covers. Um, As Paul taught us two weeks ago, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalm 24. And Paul summed up Jesus' attitude to money by talking about two words, about stewardship and about generosity. You see, our money and resources are not actually ours, but they're God's. He trusts us to be really good stewards of what he gives us, and he expects us to be generous with what he's given us. If you were here last week and you saw the video of J. John, as he reminded us, God owns all the donuts. If you weren't here, you can look up J. John Donuts online and, uh, and have a look at that. And so last week I spoke us about why it is, specifically why we give to the local church, why we think that's important, why we think the Bible teaches that. And um, you can catch up with that talk if you missed it on the web, um, but just because it's, it's really important just to give you... Real, real brief summary of that, um, just to remind us, because it kind of leads on into what we're going to talk about today. I talked last week about how regular giving is a basic sacrifice, how consistent regular giving demonstrates that we have a whole of life dependency on God. When we give regularly, we're demonstrating that we're living our lives for someone, something else, not for ourselves. We're putting our resources we're putting our, literally putting our money where our mouth is. We're putting our resources into building God's kingdom and not into building something for ourselves. I also talked last week about how regular giving leads to regular blessings and how the Bible says if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. And this is a biblical principle that those who give of the resources that God has given to them will be blessed. And God promises that. He doesn't promise financial blessing necessarily, but he, although that does seem to happen sometimes, but he does promise blessing. He is the ultimate giver. And the more you give, the more you will receive from God. That's what the Bible says. I asked you guys to share a story. Are you up for that? Brilliant. One minute, and then I'd love you to come and do that. Thank you. I've just remembered that we spoke about that last week. Um, lastly, that re- last week I spoke that regular giving represents a consistent commitment to God's local church. 
And by giving faithfully on a consistent basis to your local church, whether that's this church or if you're normally part of another church, the church that you're part of, actually by giving regularly, by filling out a standing order and saying every month a chunk of my money goes to the church, by doing that you're making a really profound statement. You're saying I'm in, I'm part of this community, I'm, I'm committed to the vision of this church. I'm, I want to see the ministry that God is doing here grow and flourish. I want to help to pay for it. And real sacrifice, real obedience, real commitment involves long-term consistent faithful giving. And that's a challenge for some of us. It's particularly a challenge for some of us when we struggle with money. But it's also a massive blessing and something that God talks about a lot in the Bible. And we at this church have a really big vision, which does require consistent investment from many faithful, generous givers. And that's what you guys are. I'm not, I said this last week and I'll say it again, we're not in any way doing this series because we're all of a sudden desperate for cash. And we're trying to squeeze the, you know... That's not where we're at at all. Your generous giving helps us to realise the goals and the vision that God has given us. If you're a taxpayer, then gift aiding that money goes a little bit further, helps it go a little bit further. In 2017, we budgeted to give away around 12% of the income that comes into us. That's to, to benefit other people, not, not in any way associated directly with this church. And the rest of what you give goes practically to facilitate leadership development, um, paying for staff time here, um, to facilitate equipment, buildings and resources. And as I said, we're an incredibly generous church. And if you're part of this church and you haven't yet had a chance to make a regular financial commitment, then I really want to encourage you to take that seriously, that challenge. We have a form here. It's a blue form. It's called Giving Financially. And that explains a bit more how you do that and what you do. And I just want to throw that challenge out. Have you reviewed your giving recently? Have you recently had a pay rise maybe and not reflected that? Have you had a chance to do that? Or have you joined the church in the last few months and haven't yet had a chance to think this through? Whether you have a lot to give or a little to give is not the point. It's not about the amount, it's about the heart. And 2 Corinthians 9, this verse I read last week says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but cheerfully. So if you're a guest with us today, you're more than welcome to be here. We're delighted that you're here and we hope that you really meet with God. The application of this and what I'm going to go on to talk about today is largely family business. So please do bear with us. I do trust that as I share this morning, God will encourage you as you listen in and maybe even challenge you to be a blessing financially wherever you are plugged in locally. You know, Jesus said this, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. And then he said this really key phrase, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So in other words, whatever is really valuable and important to you will be reflected in your treasure. In the way that you spend your time and the way that you spend your energy and the way that you spend your money. You know, it's pretty easy to figure out what's important to somebody if you have the chance to look at their bank account and their diary. Okay? You can see where someone spends their time and energy by looking at their calendar and you can see where someone spends their money by looking at their bank statement. And Jesus' teaching on this was very clear. And that's a little summary of where we got to last week. And before I go on to this week, um, Claire spoke to me and said uh, last week that she had a little story to share just to encourage us about this whole scenario. So, Claire, thanks for sharing at the drop of a hat and go for it. Um, 
Yeah, so the whole tithing thing uh, in our previous church, it was explained to us as being rent for the air that we breathe. It's God's air. Same thing. God owns all the donuts. Um, so that's kind of what we've, we've stuck to. And for Tom in particular, the whole test me in this thing that Nigel talked about last week was really key. Tom is self-employed, so our income every month is different, so it's really difficult to kind of figure out what's the right amount to tithe. But Nigel mentioned last week that kind of starting with 10% and working from there is, and that's exactly what we did. And every time we've taken it to God and said, okay, this is what we think. And he's really kind of been like, yeah, absolutely. And we've both kind of come up with the same number and, and it, you just know God's in it. Anyway, in January, Tom lost quite a lot of work. Being self-employed, it literally just got taken out from under him. Um, which had a huge impact on our, um, our finances. And we had a little bit in savings, which is pretty unusual for us. Um, and I kind of said, okay, well, we'll keep that there and not do what we were going to do with it. Um, and hopefully by Easter, it will all be happy and we can dip into the savings if we need to. We've passed Easter now. Tom didn't really have that much more work, but we've stuck to our tithe. It was never a question that our tithe would be a thing that would somehow try and supplement the fact that we didn't have as much income and God has been so faithful. Now, to put this in context, I'm a finance manager. That's what I do for a job. I am all about budget spreadsheets. I don't understand how we haven't had to go into our savings and we've still paid all our bills and we've still managed to get takeout and take the kids places over the Easter holidays and all that kind of thing. I don't know how the numbers add up. So it has to be God. So when he says, test me in this, test him in it because he will be faithful and we're still standing in faith that God's going to you know do what we need in terms of Tom's work and all of that kind of stuff but these last three months have been pretty hairy but God has so been in it and yeah it this stuff is the truth test him in it thank you Claire and Tom appreciate that wonderful I couldn't have asked for a better example, actually. That's wonderful. And many of you will have similar stories. How many of you have got stories from your life? You don't have to share them all now. It's fine. But how many of you have got experiences where something similar like that, that Claire has just shared has happened to you, where you just haven't known where the money's come from? Some of you got two hands up. Wow, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? So you know that what I'm sharing is right, okay? That's what the Bible says. And so last week's talk was about giving regularly to the local church, and that is the first challenge. That's the first challenge I want to issue. That's the first response I'm, I'm looking for today. I just would love you to ask the Lord, um, if you haven't yet had the chance to do this, what, is, uh, what are you asking me to give regularly to this church, if you are somebody who considers that you are part of this church? And if you didn't catch that talk last week, please do. It's on the web. You can have a listen. Um, and I told a number of stories about Joe and myself and gave some of our own examples of where we've given and what we've given to and how the Lord has blessed us as well. Now, if that's not something that you've... No, you have done that. Today is where I want to go a little bit further than that. Okay, And I want to look at ways in which we're, where some of us, maybe not all of us, but some of us might be called to go further. You see, you can think of it as tithes and offerings. Um, and I shared a little bit about that word tithing and that whole principle and where that comes from. Or you can think of it as generosity and sacrifice, or just an opportunity to be more blessed, or an opportunity to go over and above the regular giving. And there are many opportunities, aren't there, that present themselves to us where we could give over and above our regular commitment to the church. It might be a charity that we're, we're aware of, we know somebody who's part of. It might be another Christian organization we know with a vision that really resonates with us. 
I described last week how that happened for Jeremy with a, an organisation called Toybox many years ago that was working with street kids and we were so moved by this bloke's vision we've been giving to it ever since. Um, it might be uh, somebody you know who's working uh, in a sort of, I suppose, a mission capacity or a missionary capacity, who, and we might choose to support them, um, or, to, or some sort of special project. It may or may not be associated with this church. For me, I find, I don't know about you, but I find that there are many individuals or groups that present opportunities to me. Some of them are quite cold, they just come through the post or by email. Others of them are through people I know, asking if there's something that I can do to help with my money. Is that, is that anybody else's experience or is it just me? And, and I, don't know about, I, I don't know about you, but I find it overwhelming. I find it quite overwhelming to the fact where I, if I'm not careful, I just switch off to all of it. And I just think, oh, no, I haven't got the money. Well, to, to, so for what it's worth, I try and ask God about this. And as I try and listen to him, there's just a couple of things that I consider when I'm trying to prayerfully hear what God's saying about this. One of them is vision and values. Is this in line with what I think God said are the vision and values for my life? Does this line up with that? You know, how much does it share? Is it in the It's the same with our church, actually. When we choose, when we when we get, when we look at where we're going to give the church's money away to, we're always asking the same question: Is this in line with our vision and our values? And the other thing is, for me, is really, really important: is relationship. Can I be part of this? Can I be involved? Can I hear the stories directly? Do I know the person? I don't necessarily need to know the individuals involved, but do I know this organisation? Is there an opportunity for me, for, to, for me to be able to pray and just to be involved? And, and I kind of try and think through those lenses, really. Look through those lenses when I'm trying to hear God. Look and hear. I'm getting my metaphors all mixed up. Anyway, you know what I mean. Um, it is a challenge to hear God on this, but I do want us to embrace it because, you know, the same rules apply. The more we give, the more we'll be blessed. And God's generosity does know no boundary. He sets an incredible example in the area of generosity and giving. I mean, he gave his only son. So maybe you're living within your means quite comfortably, and you just feel, oh, I've got a little bit of money to spare. Maybe you're already quite disciplined in the area of giving, and this, it's not really an effort for you just to kind of sign off the thing and, and give away or maybe you're looking to grow in your faith and get closer to God and you fancy a challenge whatever giving is a really fantastic area to grow in. and I want to offer you a further challenge that goes above and beyond our regular giving and I promised last week that I would update you on our Building for the Future project um, if you were here uh, last September and October then you will know about this if you have joined the church since then you may or you may not be aware of it. You may have seen the uh, posters in the cafe, um, the plans on the walls. You may have wondered what this is all about. And although not much has been happening visibly, um, although upstairs, if you are involved in children's ministry, you'll know that there are some cupboards being built upstairs. I'll talk about that in a minute. But things have been moving forward. And so I want to give all of us an update today on what this project is and what's going on. I want to remind you of the vision behind it. And I want to give some of you an invitation to consider getting involved financially. So really, this is, some of this will be a recap to you, um, those of you who've been here. In September, we spoke, Joe and I spoke about how we're at an important moment in our church's history. You know, two, month, two years before that, in September 14, I preached a message called, This is a Season of Preparation. It was from Hebrews 11, and it talked about how having faith is looking forward, being sure of what we hope for, 
but certain of what we, and certain of what we don't yet see, knowing that God had put a dream in our hearts to, do, to go further than we are now, to see God do more than he, wants, than he is doing now, and a vision that we can picture in our minds that isn't yet a reality, but through faith in God can become a reality. And that's never been just about buildings. It's been about all kinds of ministry and about seeing God uh, send and do amazing things. And we keep hearing stories about how God's meeting with people and encountering people, and that's wonderful. But part of that was about this building. And uh, going back even further, six and a half years ago, six and a half years ago, in September 2010, Joe and I had our first meeting with Hugh and Ginny when we came down to look at the possibility of coming to take this church over, take over the leadership from them. And I shared with them this verse, which I felt God had spoken to us about uh, with regards to the situation here. And it was that Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. I felt that this was a word for me, and I wasn't sure exactly what the land referred to at that time. Um, and I'm still not, it could refer to a number of things, but there was a real sense for us, for Joe and I, as we came to this church to lead it six years ago, that God had more for the whole church, that there's something in this church's story, I suppose you could use the word destiny, that we haven't yet fulfilled, and that one of the reasons that God had brought us here was to take the church into the next season. And you know what? There's been some incredible moments in the history of this church. And some of you, a few of you, have been around a long time, and you'll remember these, and many of you won't. So uh, for this, just, I'm going to give you a little potted history. You see, this church, Winchester Vineyard, started uh, by Hugh and Ginny there in a small group in their house in Chesil Street, just down the road. I don't know if you've come, uh, you probably know those houses. They're pretty, you know, they're pretty obvious when you drive into Winchester from this side. And uh, in 1994, Hugh and Ginny started a small group in their house. Um, that then that grew into and became Winchester Vineyard Church. It multiplied, they multiplied to a number of groups, um, and they met in several public venues in the town across the next few years. They met in the council house up there, they met in the university uh, lecture hall, and they met in a community centre in Badger Farm, as well as a pub at the top of Stanmore Lane, I heard, that isn't in existence anymore. I heard it was a bit seedy as well, is that right? <laughs> Those of you who were... Um... Anyway, then as now... It wasn't just about the buildings we met in. Buildings have always been just about facilities to meet in. Community was really important. And this, he's not here today, but this is just another opportunity to give you a great picture of Andy Hyder that I found stuffing his face over here um, in a, some sort of small group. Um, pardon? There's Johnny, uh, Johnny Hibbert Hingston sitting next to him. And this is Arthur, who used to work here and now is down in Plymouth, those of you who know. Um, there were baptism services in all kinds of interesting places. Um, yeah, there's Ga- is Gary here today. Uh, he's not around, okay. Um, this building has been a key part of our story as a church. In 2000, we bought this building. Before that, this is what it looked like. It was a, a truck repair shop. How many of you were here, lived here then and can remember this? Amazing. Wonderful. So pre-2000, this is what it looked like. Here's what it looked like on the day that we bought it. Or That's, uh, that's this place. Getting this site was a really important moment in our church's history. And yet, look at what God has done in a relatively short amount of time. The first worship centre looked like, oh, no, that's what it looked like on the inside. This over here is our baptistry now, down there. Isn't that amazing? And the first worship centre at the back of the church looked like that. And then in 2005, the bit that we're meeting in now was opened. Uh, 
as I said last week, there are many people who've been part of this church who are now serving God all over the area, all over the country, all over the world. Not just in a church planting ministry, some of them are, many by working in business, many by building strong families, working in health, education, media, government, politics, culture, all strengthening society. And we've used this place to gather to, to gather and to welcome people and help them connect with Jesus. Some people have come here and met him for the first time and chosen to follow him and been equipped and trained. Especially hundreds of young people, children and young people who have grown up in this community. And this has been a base for them to grow and to be empowered as they go on with their life. And so this is another key moment in the life of our church. This year is a key year. And we've had an increasing sense, as I shared back in September, over the past couple of years, that God really wants us to invest in this building and to make some changes that will help it even more bring hope and life to people in communities. So how did we get from that to this? How did we get from there to here? How did that happen? It happened through a sacrifice of time and of energy and of money. Those who were part of the church back in 2000, 2005, gave sacrificially to the project. There are some of us, some of those people are here now. Many are not. Many have moved on to different places and different seasons of their lives. But of the ones, all of them, what was amazing is that they made a sacrifice for people who would come even after they'd been here. Do you see what I'm saying? So there are some of you who were here then who gave in 2000 and gave in 2005. And some of you, many of you who've been giving since last September, who are making a generous sacrifice for the benefit of those who might come after you and meet God in this place. Which is a really profound thing. Talk about storing up treasures in heaven. It's a sacrifice to give for people who aren't here yet. And it's also a huge privilege to invest in God's kingdom and give ahead of time. And as I've said already, a building isn't just a building. Sorry, a building is just a building. It's just a building. But if you were American, you'd call it a facility. And facilities facilitate. This is a building in which ministry can happen. It is, yes, just a building, just bricks and you know, it's not even pretty looking bricks at that, most of them. Um, it is just a building, but it's an incredible base from which communities can be impacted and people can be blessed. And it's a wonderful space to welcome people who are looking to meet with God. And you know this already, but our vi- I want to remind you that our vision is to lead a city into life. Okay, we believe that God wants to rewrite the story of this city and the communities around us and restore hope and bring life. That's part of who... God has called us to be and what God has called us to be. There's a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 61, which says the spirit, this is Jesus' verse that he quotes and that we are called to do as well. Because the sovereign Lord is on me, he says, he's anointed me to comfort those who mourn, provide for those who grieve, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. And I love that bit in the middle that's in big. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Our vision is to bring good news and comfort and freedom and hope and life and peace. 
and to rebuild ancient ruins and to restore places long devastated. And our building is a key part of that vision. Thousands have been welcomed here and have encountered God here and been transformed or changed in some way. And so as we have prayed about that vision, as we have shared about it and as we've planned, we came up with some changes that need to happen in this building. This thing grew over a long period of time and a whole process of design and all sorts of stuff. And there are four key elements of what we're trying to do as we look to change this building. And the first one is to bring hope and life as a welcoming community. And this picture is as an artist's uh, mock-up of what the new front of the building will look like. There is no door on the front. Uh, The door is on the side where that blue person is at the minute, uh, the office door, and the other door is around the side. But you see, uh, what we've got planned is a whole new, a brand new front to the building. And um, it sounds really... It might sound really obvious, but you guys all know how to get in here because you've been here before. But how many of you struggled to find this place the first time you ever came? Yeah, a few people. I mean, we've talked to loads of people who find it really difficult just literally to find the place. They don't quite know what they're looking for. It's quite hard to find, to see what the building is, and it's very hard to find where the entrance is. And so one of the key things that we want to do is obviously improve the visual impact of the front of the building and make our church more identifiable and help guests find us easily. And we're creating a new front door and we're creating a new reception area that will help us to give a much better welcome to everybody who comes here, whether that's on a Sunday for a service or during the week for another event. And hundreds of people come here during the week. Last night we hosted a community event here. It happens quite a lot. There are many people who want to use our building because they love the space. And the choir that we are part of um, was looking to, to find a venue for a, a concert and a quiz, a fundraising event uh, for the local community. The, 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 the team of people who were running it uh, were nothing to do with this church, actually. But they came to us and they said, look, we've looked at all the other venues and we'd, we'd really like to use your church if that's okay. We think it's the best space to do it in. And so that happened here last night. 200 people in here last night, just enjoying this space and being part of community. So creating a better welcome and a more flexible space will help us to develop our community and therefore impact our community and have an impact on community life and on city life. We really believe that's part of what we're called to do. So that's the front space. The the next part is to bring hope and life to our children and young people. And uh, what we're actually doing is, is, uh, by creating this new corridor, we're also creating a much better flow up to uh, children's and we're bringing the front staircase into use, and that will massively improve flow, improve flow around our building. If you have kids and you've been upstairs to sign them in, you'll know how it's a really tight space, isn't it? That staircase, trying to get kids and families up and down. Well, upgrading the first floor facilities that we're doing will create... First of all, and I asked Stephen, he's, I asked Stephen to come and share, but he's busy with the kids. Uh, he said, tell them this. He said, um, number one, it'll create much better storage. Already has, actually. Some of that work's already been done so the storage for kids ministry just is brilliant much better it will create two more multi-purpose rooms with up to 50 which you can put up to 50 kids in okay or multi-purpose spaces so that's happening and obviously those can also be hired out during the week and um it will massively improve the flow and so our you know our children's ministry has more than doubled over the last 18 months We've seen children and families coming. Uh, We've already started work on some of the cupboards, and we've got a brand new kitchen. I'll show you a plan. It may not be that easy to see on here. It's not easy to see, is it? Never mind. You'll just have to... 
we do have a, you can look at the plans on the wall. Um, we have a brand new kitchen being planned to go in upstairs in the next month or two. There's actually work starting on some of the youth rooms tomorrow. But it's going to make a massive difference to our children's teams and to our children's ministry. And then there's compassion, bringing hope and life through compassion. You know, we watched a video recently, didn't we, just a couple of weeks ago, about how compassion ministry is just exploding, has exploded over the past year or two. And uh, we celebrated all of that. But I want Joe to just come and tell you a bit of a story about this space, the compassion space. Well, people locally, including yourselves, are just so generous in giving so much to Compassion. And it's created quite a problem, really, because we have run out of space. And when we spoke last year about that, we talked about how um, there are all kinds of cupboards which are kind of full of clothes that have been donated. Under our stairs, we have bags being stored. We've now got a little unit just outside where things are stored. There's a cupboard upstairs which has kind of overflowed into because people are so generous and we have so many opportunities to give. And so... We have a real challenge about what to do with compassion. We had a word um, last year, somebody who we respect said to us that compassion is going to lead us into our city, that this is a real way that we can share the love of Jesus in practical ways with people who need to know him. And so we want to be able to do that, but how on earth are we going to organise it? Well, we had all kinds of ideas, and when we spoke last year, we were talking about getting a unit in the car park, double storey, place to meet people, and we investigated that and prayed about that quite a lot and pushed loads of doors and came up with loads of blanks. It just didn't work out at all. And um, Jenny and I were both getting quite maybe stressed about it, trying to work out what was going to happen with the Compassion Ministry. It's something that's important to us, and it's so important to God about how we can meet and serve those people who have little. And we prayed and prayed, and we were kind of saying, God, there must be a solution. What's your answer? And we looked at places off-site, and all kinds of different things. We tried to find a solution. And just drew a blank. And so Nigel had the great idea and said, well, look, rather than just kind of praying on your own, why don't we take this to the leaders? So we went to a leaders meeting and said, we've got a problem here. Please, would you join us to pray? And as I stood up and I kind of introduced the problem to people, um, it was quite awkward and embarrassing, if I'm really honest, because I felt that we needed to really cry out to God. And by that, I mean really shout. And we were over in the cafe area, and our leaders are very gracious, kind people. And I said, this is really awkward, but I feel like we need to cry out to God. And you know, there's a biblical precedent for this. There are lots of times in the Bible when God's people were stuck, and they cried out to him, and he provided a solution. So together as a leadership, we all prayed together and some of us shouted and it kind of stopped. And we thought that God maybe might have said a few things. And then as we got together at the end of that meeting, we were kind of standing around the plans and we just came up with God's solution. There were four different people who had a little bit of the jigsaw. And one of them was somebody said, I feel like the answer is right under our noses. I'm like, well, God, what is that? What is that? Come on, we've been praying for so long. And um, somebody else said, compassion needs to be at the heart of what we do. And I was standing by the plans, and just as I looked at the plans over on the wall, I saw the word big fish. That's the name of the, um, the kind of nursery-type room at the back where our sparklers, our little under-fives meet. And it seemed like it was kind of, I don't know, light, lit up or glowing or flashing. And then Stephen, who's already been mentioned, who oversees our kids and youth, said... This sounds a bit awkward and I don't know what to do about this. But as we were praying, as we were really shouting out to God, I was reminded of the story of Jonah. You might know that story from the old people. You know, it's the one with the whale. And at the beginning of Jonah, the people cried out to God because they were desperate and they needed a solution. And Stephen said, I looked it up in my Bible and it said, 
God sent a big fish. And I feel like we need to give a big fish to our compassion ministry and to the people of our city. And that's the name of our room. And so those kind of things seem to come together for us. And it felt to us that God was really speaking. And then that's quite tricky, isn't it? Because that room's well used. People love kids here and love ministering with them. And would they really want to give up their fantastic purpose-built room in order to help the poor, people we don't even know? And wonderfully on that night, all the key people who lead the different ministries to do with compassion and to do with toddler group and um, our under fives, all just happened to be there and together we talked about how we could practically make this work and still use a space on a Sunday but make some renovations within the room in order to bring our compassion ministry right into the heart of the church so you'll see from the plans that when people come into our new our new venue as it'll be they'll come in through the front door they'll be greeted at reception and then the first door that they'll come to is going to be the, our compassion room and they'll be able to be invited in there'll be a lovely space there's room to make a cup of tea and sit down and talk about their needs and there's going to be a fantastic purpose-built store to put all the goods in that we want to be able to give away. So isn't that wonderful? I was racking my brains and I couldn't find a solution. And yet when we called to God together, he came up with the answer. Because this is such an important thing to him. And he really wants that to be happening with our community. Isn't that great? I'll tell you, the set, we came away from that meeting going, we know what the answer is. And having a very rough little sketch drawn up of how... I was going to try and show you, but it's, it's not really working. It's that top bit there. It's a bit faint. You won't see it. But, um, but, but we're really excited that God is speaking right into the midst of this whole project. Just saved ourselves about 80 grand, I think, didn't we, on that? Which is amazing. Um, and lastly, bringing hope and life through worship. So we've talked about the welcome. We've talked about the children. We've talked about the compassion. And we'd also love um, to uh, just repaint and refresh our worship space, give it a more modern feel and enhance the stage and the lighting a little bit. And also our plan is to, um, to you see these tatty curtains here. We're going to put a proper wall here at some point and build, and build some really brilliant staging around it. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not going for luxury here. <laughs> we're just going for like welcoming clean, smart, and ready for use for the next 10, 20, 30 years. You know, we've already started uh, our Sunday evening service here and uh, having the new chairs that we've already bought with some of the money that was given, um, it just enables this space to be much more flexible. And so, as you can see, it's a significant project. And it's going to make a massive difference to church life, to our space and our flow. And it's going to take significant finance. And we talked about this. There are some big numbers. The estimated project cost for the whole thing is about a million pounds. Um, we've done the best we can up to this stage uh, to engage with the uh, professionals who can help us through this and try and find the cheapest and the best way through it. Um, we are ready to, our plans are just about to go out to building contractors. This is where you, you basically go and you invite a number of different companies to tender, to bid for the process. And when those plans, when those bids come back, which should be around July time, we will know exactly what our price is going to be. That's where we get to make some decisions. And in September, when we shared this with you, about £60,000 was pledged as a one-off gift. Okay, And I just need to tell you that actually, so far, about over 80000 has been given. So those of you who pledged and others of you who didn't have given over and above. So thank you. So thank you for that. That money has enabled us to move forward with the project. It's enabled us to buy things. It's enabled us to start work upstairs. And it's enabled us to pay the fees for the consultants so that we can get all the plans properly done and all of that stuff. And as well as that 
one-off giving, additional monthly giving was also pledged. Um, and I'll explain um, how that's going to work in a minute. Um, but, but some of you, instead of giving, uh, some of you did both, which was incredibly generous, but some of you said, well, I can't really afford to give any now, but I can increase what I give to the church monthly over and above my regular commitment. And so to update you, um, we've already, you may have seen, if you follow our Instagram or our Facebook, you would have seen photos. And if you're involved in children's ministry, you've got some brilliant store cupboards being built upstairs. Uh, thanks to, is Dan here? Thanks to Dan, who's around somewhere. There he is. Um, done some brilliant work. So some, some work's already gone on with that. Um, tomorrow morning, we've got some more building work starting up there to, um, to improve and change some of the walls. Uh, the kitchen is set to be built and refitted upstairs um, over the next um, couple of months. And, of course, you're all sitting on the new chairs, so that's, that's a good thing. Detailed designs have been finalized, and we are, as I said, about to go to building contractors. Um, depending on when those contractors can start, and our decision, we're aiming to have all of phase one, which is the new entrance, the new frontage, the new main corridor, the reception, the admin office, and the refit of a big fish room into a compassion space uh, and flexible room, um, all of that we're hoping will get done by the end of the year. Okay, now you know, I, you never say never. <laughs> the actual build time is not that long. Uh, there's a, as you, those of you who know about this sort of stuff know there's a lot of lead time needed and a lot of planning and a lot of um, bits and bobs to do. Um, and so, based on what was given and what was pledged, we've been able to, com- we, we think we're, we're fairly convinced that we can, confident that we can complete phase one. Um, Phase two of the project uh, kind of comes into the cafe. Uh, it involves extending the kitchen here. Um, it involves um, putting a, where these curtains are, putting a, a, a wall there. Not a permanent wall, a wall that can be moved so that we can open the whole space up, but a, a wall that, that enables us to create two spaces here um, instead of just the one. Um, at this stage, we don't have the funds to complete that, okay? Um, and then the third uh, phase would be in here, you know, the refitting and redecorating and, and stuff we do on the stage and with the AV here. We, we don't, at this stage, have the funds to do that work, but we are pressing ahead with getting all the design finished and the building regulations done. And so the truth is, if additional money was available now, certain aspects of those phases could be brought forward. And hand on heart, we would just love to do this as quickly as we can. But we do know that God is in charge of this thing. Um, in particular, we would love to build that movable wall if we could, because it would just create much better spaces. Uh, and and so It means we could rent the cafe out for one meeting and this room out for another meeting and have things going on at the same time, just practically. Um, it will significantly enhance our spaces, both on Sunday and in the week. And the decision about exactly how much we can do will be made in July when we get our quotes back from the building. People, what's it going to take from here? It's going to take prayer and planning, and we'll be inviting you to pray. We'll be putting out little prayer bulletins, because all of this stuff is really important. It's a crucial season, and we'd love you to pray with us. It will also take some sacrificial giving. And I I just, you know, I am not here to twist anybody's arm. Many of you have given sacrificially to this project already, and the purpose of this morning is simply to update you. I am not here to try and squeeze more money out of anybody. Okay? But we just felt that it would be important that we just presented... Just honestly, this is the situation we're in, just to be transparent and just see if there's anything God wants to do. So we bought this building 17 years ago on a 20-year mortgage. Um, the, The value of the building has significantly increased since then anyway, and we only have four years left to pay on our mortgage to pay the building off. This is before we borrow again, okay? Um... 
Currently, our mortgage payment is around £55,000 a year. That's what we pay. It's just under, it's about £4,500 per month, roughly. And we've been paying this out of our current budget. That's just what we do. We've been doing it for years. And we, 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 we continue to do that. Additionally, a few years ago, some of you who are here uh, will remember that we took out a loan to um, sort out our car park and, and do that up. And that's virtually, virtually paid off. Um, the money pledged monthly since last September and given regularly since then has enabled us to up our mortgage payment. Do you see what I'm saying? To, to borrow more based on that monthly payment. Um, we have enough agreed. Uh, rough, the, the budget is roughly around 450000 to complete phase one. Okay? So any additional money given now or committed now to be given over the next four years would enable us to borrow more. Do, do you see what I'm saying? And after four years, anyway, our whole big first mortgage pays off. So then, at that point, our payments drop down significantly. So the truth of it is, if we were going to do this in our own strength, in four years' time, we have enough money within our budgets to borrow the rest of the money, finish the job. Yeah? And if we wanted to do that in our own strength, that's what we could do, and that's our worst-case scenario. And, you know... <sighs> Our feeling is that God just wants to do more than that and can do more. So we're just asking him, and I'm just laying it before you. There's an invitation to partner with us in this. As I said, this isn't a hard sell. I'm not turning the screw. We just want to be transparent and say this is the situation. We will make that decision with our trustees uh, and our leaders in July when we know what's going on and we know how much money we've got. And as I said already, many of you have given already sacrificially and are continuing to do so, and that's costing you something, and we're incredibly grateful for it, and I know that God will be blessing you because of it. But we just wanted to sort of say it how it is and tell you what the scenario is and see if there's anybody else who wants to be part of that journey. Because all journeys require sacrifice, and people have given sacrificially in the past. And so if you haven't, had the opportunity to invest in this vision, we're just extending an invitation to you to prayerfully consider if this might be a time for you to get involved. Maybe you've joined the church over the last six months. You simply didn't know about this or didn't have a chance to get started. Or maybe there are others of you whose circumstances have changed since last autumn and you want to reevaluate. Maybe you've had a pay rise or a tax rebate or an inheritance or something. We're just inviting people to give to prayerfully consider what we might give, either in a one-off cash gift or particularly over a regular commitment over the next four years. We all have different resources, but everyone needs to have the opportunity to be involved. We're not talking about equal, sacrifice, equal gifts. We're talking about equal sacrifices. So if that's something that you would like to be part of, I would love to make that offer to you. As I said last week, God isn't interested in how much we give. He's interested in how we give it. He blesses obedience and he loves a cheerful giver. I know that whenever I ask God how much I should give, he always tells me. So um, what I'd love to do is, uh, Jim, have you got that basket? Um, got the offering basket again. And in here, Jim's just going to pass it around. Just pass it along the rows and start from the back maybe and send it forward. In there are, is a letter. Many of you will have had an email from me over the last couple of days. If you're already somebody who gives, you don't need one of these letters. This is just a duplicate. Um, but if you're interested, the letter just is a summary of what I've just said. And there is a giving form in there. And if this is something you'd like to consider, just grab one out of the basket as it goes past and take it home and pray about it and think about it. I just want to make one thing clear. We have two giving forms, and they are different. They're both blue, 
Regular form, building form. Can you see the difference? The building form has a picture of the building on, and it goes to a different account. Please make sure that you take the right one. Okay? The first challenge from today, from this series, is just to look and say, out of my regular income, is God asking me to do anything? If you're prepared to go over and above that, or you feel God is inviting you to, and you haven't been part of this journey, then grab a building one and see what God wants to do. Have I done that all right? I haven't put... I haven't, I haven't turned the screw too much, have I? No, good. Okay. Um, is that okay? Are you all right with this? I'm being intensely practical about this, but money is an intensely practical subject. So please, if you've come here today and what you're hearing is, oh, they're squeezing every last drop out of us, none of that. This is just an opportunity to partner with God in what he does. And some of us have already part of that story, and, the, and you know, we know we haven't got anything else to give, and that's absolutely fine. There is no pressure. But for those of you who haven't, grab one of the forms, just pray about it, and just ask God. And it would be really helpful if I could give you a deadline of the end of this month, the end of May. If I could give you three or four weeks, about four weeks just to think this through. And if you think, yes, I'm in, I'm up for this, then kind of pass your form back in, send it into the office or drop it on the Connect desk or pass it to one of us and we'll make sure it goes to the right place. I think I'm done. Um, we have a web page. Oh, that's not me. Well, it's good words anyway. Um, <coughs> it's good words anyway. I think I'm done. Why don't we stand together? And if this has captured your imagination, as Nigel said, we are going to be sending out some prayer bulletins. But if you would like to be part of a smaller team of us who get together and pray about how this develops, we're going to be praying specifically about the contractors who are here, about safety on site, about all the technical things that are going to come up, then I would love to chat to you. So please do let me know because we want to really make sure that God is in the centre of all that's going on as we develop this. Thanks. He's done. Great. He's done. I want to pray this over you from Ephesians 3.20. Okay. It's just a blessing that Paul prays for the Ephesians. Why don't we close our eyes? Paul says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Let me read that again. To him, that's God, who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And Holy Spirit, we thank you. I thank you for the generosity already displayed, for the sacrificial giving that's gone on in this place and in this community. And I thank you that as a church we walk with you in our finances and it's a really healthy and good place to be. I thank you, Lord, for the generous giving and the generous hearts, the time and energy and money that's given here that facilitates ministry and helps people meet with you. I thank you for those who've given over and above what they thought they had for people who would come after them and receive a benefit and a blessing from you in this place. And Lord, we thank you for this project, the building project. We thank you for those who are... Uh, have been involved. We thank you for the, the architects and the quantity surveyors and the engineers and all of the professionals who've been working on this on our behalf. And we thank you for these great plans and for your wonderful intervention about compassion, Lord. We give this whole thing to you. And we say, come and bless this project, Lord. 
and help it happen in budget and on time. And Lord, if you want to release more funds um, so that we can go further in this first phase, then Lord, that's all. It's just open. We just hold this and we give it to you. We hold it with open hands. Lord, come and do all that you want to do with this building and with this church and in our lives. We pray that this would continue to be a place where people experience hope and life and a base from which we can bless communities and bless people with your incredible and generous love. And now, Lord, send your spirit and just rest on us. And if there's anything else that you want to say or do, we just want to open our hearts to you. There may be some of us who are thinking, you know, just I don't know how this is going to work or my finances, I, I, you know, I, I need help. It may be, it may be that the Lord, um, it may be that the Lord wants to just minister to you. Worship guys, why don't you come? And there is just an opportunity to receive from the Lord. It may be that you've come today with, and it's nothing to do with money, there's just another need, a physical need, an emotional need. And you just love someone to pray with you. Or you feel even sensed during the worship that God was touching you. You were encouraged to press in. And if that's you, I'd just love to invite you to respond. Yeah, I wanted Stephen just to come and share. Have you got the mic there? Great. Um, to come and share a little bit about what we're doing with the kids stuff and how that's going to change things. Okay, so we have quite a big impact because of the building project on our youth and kids provision here. And uh, most of that will be in creating extra space. Uh, as Nigel says, we've got um, quite a few children coming regularly. So on a Sunday morning, our regular attendance is approaching around 100 children each week. Uh, the problem is we've only got space for about 90. Um, so cramming them all in has become quite tricky. Um, so Charlotte was leading a group this morning. How many did you have? About 15 in, in, in the lounge, which whenever there's six staff in there, feels very tight. Um, so we're trying to cram the young people into the space that we've got at the moment. But um, if any more come, or if the 150 who do come regularly all came at once then we would have real problems. Uh, and so just creating more space, we're going to um, hopefully gain an extra couple of rooms out of the building project, um, out of where the current prayer room is and the current lounge, we'll be able to use those rooms. And actually where the current reception is on the first floor, for those of you who are aware of that, when the, when the admin office moves downstairs into the new reception area at the back there, we'll have a huge space up there for children to come and gather. And so rather than having 50 children plus their parents coming up that very narrow staircase, in a five-minute window, we'll have a, a really nice big space where we can easily fit everyone in, to gather them, to register them, and then we can kick the parents back down the other stairs and have a nice little one-way system in place. So it'll really help the flow um, of what we're doing upstairs, particularly in a Sunday morning. And the other thing that we've already made a, a lot of progress on is extra storage. Uh, youth and kids stuff needs a lot of stuff. And uh, we need a lot of places to put all the things that we have. So we're really increasing our storage. We've got some lovely new cupboards upstairs uh, that are being put in and have been put in already. And um, it'll be my task in the next few days to actually decide what gets to go in them and what gets to go into the skip. And um, so we're really kind of just using the space we've already got and just maximising it to its fullest, really. And the whole point of that is so that we can just... Have a, have a wonderful resource for our kids and youth so that we can equip them. So whenever they're going back to wherever they've come to us from, whether that be their schools, their families, their local communities, that they're taking the Holy Spirit with them and they're, they're equipping their own communities wherever they happen to be. Brilliant. So from, from me, on behalf of the kids, thank you so much for your generosity so far. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. That's fantastic.